Hello, Coffee and Catholics crew. This is Stacy, one of your hosts. Last week, we did an episode on mental health in general, and this week we continue that conversation. We talk about postpartum depression. In this episode, there might be a couple of triggers as we get closer to the end of the episode. The topics of miscarriage and infant loss do come up, so please be forewarned. And again, we are not medical professionals, and our guest speaker in this episode today is also not a medical professional. We are all sharing our experiences with these topics. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Today we have Jessica with us. Um, Jessica, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background? Sure. So my name is Jessica Manon Kimmett. You can call me Jess, though. Um, I am originally from Portland, Oregon, but ended up in the Midwest by way of the University of Notre Dame. Um, I did my undergrad there in theology and music theory, and then did a few years of different kind of service things, working mostly in liturgy, came back to Notre Dame for my Master of Divinity, and then spent about five years working in college campus ministry, um, being the, the music and liturgy person for St. Mary's College, which is the small women's college across the street from Notre Dame. Um, I left that job when I, my second child was about to be born. I decided it was time to kind of stay home with my family. And after the birth of that second child, I experienced um, a year of, of a really rough bout of postpartum depression. Um, during that time, I sort of found myself searching for and coming up lacking in some spiritual resources to kind of support my prayer life through that time, which was struggling. Um, I was surprised that there wasn't more out there in a church that so highly values life and children and mothering. Yes. So I, because I have the the background that I do in theology and ministry, decided to, to make an attempt to write that book. So that Very book good. has just come out. It's called Groaning in Labor, Growing in Hope, and is a collection of scripture reflections that are supposed to be kind of a gift and a word of hope and encouragement for especially new moms, but really any moms who are, are struggling with kind of the sacrifices of this vocation. Yeah, so if, um, if our listeners, if you haven't figured out yet, we're going to be talking about postpartum depression today with Jess. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Pulling up some statistics, um, the newest ones I could find were from 2017. It says that 12.8 um, U.S. mothers in 2017 were diagnosed with postpartum depression, but the estimated actual numbers they believe are closer to one in five. And we were t- kind of talking about this before we got started that we think that those we think those numbers are much higher yeah. than mm-hmm. that, even probably closer maybe to two or three out of five, if not more. Yes. Yeah. And just talking to other mothers as I've, you know, gone on my journey of becoming a mother and making mom friends, I certainly find that the the experiences I've had are are far more common than I think those numbers sort of seem to indicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I personally um, struggled with postpartum depression also after my second child. And um, it was 
I w- wanted to try to stay away from medication if I could. And so I went kind of a natural route with exercise and some supplements, which in a counselor, um, I specifically found a postpartum counselor to talk to uh-huh. and that really helped. Um, but like you said, like I had to go searching for those things and there was a lot of pain and mm-hmm. suffering and tears and isolation. and isolation that went with that before. Um, I really was, I was, I locked myself in the bathroom one day, called my husband at work and said, there's something wrong. We need to do something different. Mm-hmm. And that's when mm-hmm. I found the postpartum depression counselor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's that reaching out for help is such a hard step a lot of times. And it's hard to know when there's something wrong because becoming a mom is this huge overturning of your world. Right. And like a lot of other mental health issues, the symptoms of postpartum depression are things that are normal to a point. Mm -hmm. And then they say, well, if it's disrupting your life, then that's when you need to look for help. Well, when you've just had a baby, your life just, (laughs) exactly. Of course. And you don't know what normal is anymore. So it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to kind of gauge what, you know, when, when it's time to look for help and and get that additional support. Um, I wish I had done it sooner. I think I could have benefited from help after my first, actually, I I kind of had a milder, version of that I was able to kind of keep pushing through. But once I was diagnosed and learned more about postpartum depression, I kind of saw a lot of signs that, Oh, I I was actually struggling pretty hard after that first one too. Um, but just kind of kept going, which is not what I recommend for people. (laughs) Jess, can you tell us just for what, what this looked like and what it felt like for you? And when did you start to know that something just was not right? Because it's like you said, the entire process is a total upheaval and mm-hmm. it's a spiritual upheaval. It's an emotional upheaval. It's a physical upheaval. It's a, it's an entire turning over of a woman's soul and body and it's total chaos. And so I think that hearing from you about when in the middle of that chaos, you started to notice things standing out that were above and beyond what you thought was the natural tolerated amount of total chaos. Can you talk to us about what that looked like for you and what that felt like for you? So our listeners can begin to think about that. Yeah. So for me, it actually came about four months after that second baby was born. I actually did okay for the first couple of months and was feeling pretty good. Um, And it wasn't until about four months in that I, I kind of actually took a nosedive emotionally and suddenly was finding myself less able to function than I had been. Um, my toddler and I were going, so my eldest and I were going through a rough stage in our relationship. He was Mm. just a very rough top. Having had two more toddlers, I now feel more confident in saying he was a particularly challenging one. (laughs) Um, at the time, since he was my first, I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. I didn't know what I was getting into. This is terrible. I didn't, how was I so unprepared for toddlers? Now that I've had two others, I'm, I, he was actually particularly challenging and, um, so we were having a really rough time and I just had no patience for him. He has kind of higher needs in terms of touch and like intensive one-on-one attention than my other kids have had. And I did not have those to give in postpartum times. Um, one thing that surprised me about postpartum depression is that for me, it, and this is different for different people, so this is not meant to be diagnostic, but for me, it felt a lot less like sadness than yeah. it did irritability yeah. and kind of that like 
Rage yeah. being yeah. right at the surface yeah. all mm-hmm. of the time. And yep. yeah. um, every single that was one related to being you know, <laughs> touched out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was related to being touched out and overstimulated and um, just not ha- having not having my own needs met. Um, so that was surprising to me because I didn't feel sad. I wasn't like walking around crying and I wasn't unable to get out of bed. I just would, I would get out of bed, but I would be so on edge and just kind of ready to snap all of the time. And because there was that anger reaction going on, I felt a lot of guilt about it Mm -hmm. too. And was kind of like, this is me. I'm, you know, I'm doing something wrong. And that might've been partly true, but it also, there was something else going on as well. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, I, when sort of these, like I was yelling at my toddler in a way that he absolutely did not deserve as a two and a half year old, three year old. Um, and when it sort of became clear to me that that was a cycle, like it was happening almost every day that I was losing my temper and I, I didn't feel like I could get control or come back down from these incidents. And, um, I I could see that it was starting to affect my relationship with him. And that's Mm -hmm. what sort of drove me to go get help. Um, I don't think people need to wait until it's affecting their relationship with their, if you're feeling bad in your, in yourself, that's enough of a reason to get help and you deserve it because you deserve to feel good. But for me, that was the thing I could see. I could see his eyes kind of like his face falling when I wasn't able to meet his needs. And um, that's what sort of, drove me to, to reach back out to my um, OBGYN and, and start kind of getting this diagnosis and support started. Well, I think it's really, I love how you talked about that it wasn't just a sad feeling because I think that's a lot of times one of the barriers on going and getting help because I also, I wake up in a great mood, ready for the day, let's do this, let's tackle it. And then just those little things all through the day would just eat at my patients. And then I was you know, like yelling at this one and a half year old Mm -hmm. and why am I yelling at a one and a half year old he's one and a half and but you know I'm trying to you know he'd be great until I'm trying to breastfeed his brother you know the newborn and then he'd get into something and I would be like what are you doing it's just so overwhelming and the sadness more came at the guilt the feeling like I would feel guilty later and cry about how I was a horrible mother Mm because I yelled at my kid and um so I think that that's important that you mentioned that, that that's not always the sad, like can't get out of bed, can't, fun, you know, because that's usually what they ask you. Have you lost interest in things? I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I love going outside with my kids. and I love doing things with them. But that irritability part was becoming a barrier in that relationship. Right. And I think yes. it's also uh, that you point out like that this wasn't just like right after birth or anything. Mm-hmm. Like this happened later on and this can like affect you at different times. Like for me, I haven't actually so far experienced um uh postpartum depression but what i deal with um starting with my fourth pregnancy and now some with my fifth is um like during pregnancy like the what would you like pregnancy rage um, <laughs> or and but this i actually it's very timely that we're doing this interview today because i just had my like psych appointment today <laughs> i was like going through all this with her and um talking about like um, you know, how I'm handling things because I didn't really recognize what was going on throughout my last pregnancy until afterwards when it was like, oh, I can handle things now. Um, cause I was having, it was at the same time, my, my oldest was going through, um, some outbursts concerning with his ADHD and behavioral stuff. And we were, 
um, really focused on that. But looking back, it was like, oh, we were both doing having stuff. And it was just like we it was butting heads, like just one on top of the other, these things going on. And so before this last pregnancy or this current pregnancy leading up, I, you know, I I decided to go into counseling and get on ADHD meds and like dealing with that to deal with the sense of um, the it's like it's the irritability but it has to do with being overstimulated there's the word the overstimulation because that is like I and that's what I was talking with um the psych PA today about how I'm actually recognizing when I'm feeling starting to feel overstimulated and recognizing it before I snap Mm -hmm. and how important that is that I'm able to like get there because there I mean not every time (laughs) I definitely snap um but being able to see okay I need to take that break. I need to to do my my breathing, which I love the um, example, the, the the suggestions you have in your book about different um, Bible verses to memorize and like your your examples of using this part for your inhale when you inhale and this when you mm-hmm. exhale. And it's just I I, I love that practical um, advice you give on that those those suggestions. I loved that, um, but. Um, like being able to really recognize that a lot of this is like it's that we deal with it is that overstimulate we're being overstimulated and to be able to step back and see, okay, I need to take I need I need to recognize my triggers for things and for me that's been both recognizing that, um, having my husband recognize those things with me, my kids even do it too, um, but also being for me it's being on medication it's really helped me for that, um, and I know that. It's that's not always for me. I think like this, if you can find supplements or, or um, or just you know counseling that different. And I do counseling as well. Like that works, uh, for you. I um, it's just important to find like what, what is going to be mm-hmm. working for your particular situation, and and not to be ashamed of that. Right. I had a really good friend who when she had, um, I don't remember which of her kids that she had. She had extreme postpartum depression like um it was she couldn't be alone with her kids and if she hadn't have like reached out to our friends group and said hey I can't do this I need help I don't know what would have happened we made it like we made a point when her husband was at work like we there was a a few of us that would like round the clock be with her and like go and like our our kids would like play to you know would just be there throughout the day while she was in that process of getting her brain help um and so having that support and being able to reach out to your to to those who care about you even even when it feels like it you know when you when you're afraid to Mm -hmm. and i think that that's what we're trying to do with talking about these things is not is to make it so it's not that that there's not a stigma. Stigma, there, yeah. yeah, yeah. My right. brain, want, okay, pregnancy brain, these words, I wanted to say stigmata, <laughs> but like, that's not right. <laughs> it was close, but not right. <laughs> yeah, and I really appreciate you talking about that overstimulation. That was huge for me, too, to kind mm-hmm. of start recognizing earlier in that process that, like, oh, that I'm starting to feel that little edge of something coming, and then managing either the externals so sending the kids outside or you know distracting them with an intentional activity 
or trying to get them to quiet down, which doesn't always work though. Um, no, but then also managing myself and, and <laughs> doing that breathing and managing my own reaction. I also have a very wise friend who, when my third was born, sent me the gift of some earplugs that I love. Yes. Um, <laughs> they're very nice ones that don't, they don't, they're meant for like concert goers. So they don't actually drown out the sound, right. but they just turn the volume down. And that's mm -hmm. been so huge to like just, those, those I have earplugs yeah. that are, I have yes, yeah, that's what exactly <laughs> what they are. Annie, just, Annie swears by these things. Like Anyone? I, have, I have my AirPod Pro noise yeah. canceling headphones, like they're, they're in all the time. <laughs> Yes, yeah. that was such a good insight for me because I hadn't even considered the possibility of just being able to, yeah, kind of turn the volume mm -hmm. down on my life. And I do find that that takes away that kind of like edgy feeling and that, that makes it hard to bear. So just those yeah. those little strategies to, to manage it one way or the other are so helpful. I have four boys, so it's really loud in my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I have three boys, so not there <laughs> yet, but like we, yeah, the boy thing is definitely... <laughs> It's always right around dinner time, right when I've got like knives out and things like that, <laughs> run just like unstoppably running around the house. So it's it's a little bit nerve wracking there too. Jess, can you talk to us about what happened to you when you discovered this practice of breathing prayers with scripture and mm -hmm. what the first time that it worked for you that you realized you were onto something? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So uh, when I started seeing a therapist, so this was about, I think, six months postpartum after my second was born. Um, so I'd seen my doctor around four months and by six months I was seeing a therapist and she helped me recognize that some of that, that rage that I was feeling and feeling really guilty about was really a stress response. And she was like, this is a reasonable response to the stress you're feeling. So let's manage that stress. And what was a new skill for me was proactively managing stress in my life before kids. I'd always just reacted to stress as it came. If things got stressful, I could step away right from my desk at work or even from my relationship with my husband. You know, we, we kind of say, like, if things are getting heated, we'll step away and calm down and then come back. But small children don't operate like that. No, they don't no. have that rationality. They, they can't extend you the patience of like stepping back and, and coming back when you're calmer. So um, the thing I needed to learn was to be proactive about managing stress, which meant, especially in those early days, just I actually set a timer on my phone for every hour on the hour to do, you know, two minutes of taking deep intentional breaths. Um, I didn't, uh, the kind of arrangement I had with my therapist was like, well, if you can't do it right, then if your hands are full, you're making food or you're nursing a baby or whatever, just go ahead and skip it. But if you do, if you try to do it every hour and you do it half the time, that that will be enough. So um, I found that that made a big difference just within days. I was feeling a lot better and and a lot more centered and able to respond to those stresses without the, the irritability being quite so strong. Um, it took some time still to to really get in control of it, but that was a huge step forward. And then pairing those prayers with scripture was something that, um, th that's a practice that I've encountered before, kind of doing breath prayers where, where you are inhaling one word or phrase and exhaling another. So um, I just started pairing those that, that breathing with um, some of the scripture passages that had been meaningful to me and that were resonating in this experience of early motherhood. So um, just was kind of a way of inviting um, God and my 
Christian faith into this practice that was just kind of a practical thing. And, and it's scientific, like it, you know, it, it um, brings your, your nervous system into regulation and, and helps you just physiologically calm down. And then your mind kind of follows that, um, that the physical thing there. So that there's sort of this objective thing where breathing helps us calm down and then um, bringing my own faith into it was, was a really powerful way to, to enhance it, I think. Well, I really love breath prayers, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts, but um, the word Yahweh, which, you know, God's name in Jewish, is actually the sound of breathing. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I even tell my own kids, I'm like, so when you think about that, like, every breath you take is actually praising God. And so, mm -hmm. the, the actually, I, in Scripture, that is even bringing that focus, of that life-giving breath, and then, so God is is calming you and... And you are, you know, you're basically having this little conversation with God when you're doing these breathing techniques and kind of mm -hmm. recentering yourself. And yeah, and even the word in Hebrew for spirit, so ruah is the same word that for both breath and spirit. So, kind of using our breath as a way to bring us into the into an awareness that the Holy Spirit is with us and as close to us as our breath, I think, is a really beautiful connection to make as well. And it helps to remember, too, you know, like you're saying, our bodies and our minds and our spirits are all interconnected. Mm -hmm. We are biophysically and even spiritually designed for peace. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that again, because I think a lot of us just think that we're just anxious people. And I'm doing air quotes here for our listeners. Well, I'm just an anxious person, right? You're not. You're not an anxious person. That's not what God wants for us. We are designed to take from him what we need to be at our default, which is peace. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about in this book is taking a time of incredible upheaval and bringing us back to our default through breath and through prayer, back to that place of peace. And that is so important to remember. And what you're saying here is that mm -hmm. you deserve to be happy here. You don't need to be miserable and it doesn't take you having fractured relationships to get the help that you need. Because if you're unhappy like this, this isn't, this isn't what God has for you. You know, there's something more, there's something else going on that we have to try and get back to. And I love yeah. that you're taking sort of this full approach to it, mind, body, spirit. You're not just saying, well, you should pray more or, well, you're just an anxious person. You're saying, no, no, the whole, the whole person needs to be treated here. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the, one, one of my, one of the things I say in the introduction to the book is, you know, please don't try to pray your way through this or yeah, try to yeah. use this book as a replacement for professional help, whether that's yeah. medication or therapy or both mm -hmm. or yes. whatever combination you find that works for you. Um, that God can heal our mental illnesses, of course, and God does do that. Um, and God most often works through other people in our community and the, the reason and the, the gifts of, me of medicine and all that sort of thing. So um, I you know, very much hope that this is used to help support recovery, um, but not, you know, not replace these other tools that we have at our disposal, which are also gifts from God. Amen. One of the things that really, one of the chapters in your book, we haven't talked a lot about the book, but I really liked this chapter, was chapter five where, um, woman, woman, why are you weeping? And I really loved how you brought Mary Magdalene into that space with you. 
And I don't think a lot, like even in the book you talk about, I didn't really think about her that often until this moment. And I think a lot of times um, she gets kind of forgotten as a way, as somebody who can bring us closer to God. And I loved how you took that moment in the garden when he asks her, why is she crying? And, um, and she says, they took my Lord away. And you talked about how those feelings that you felt like when sometimes we're we're in that space where it's hard to regulate our emotions and we feel overwhelmed, how it can sometimes feel like God has left us, but he's Mm -hmm. always there. Just like he was right next to, he was right next to her in the garden and he didn't even recognize him until he said her name, which you also mentioned in there Mm -hmm. and how we can get lost in the word mommy. (laughs) 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 When when we last heard her own name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that um, chapter was kind of a gift of the, I mean, the whole book is a gift of the Holy spirit. I would, would argue, but um, that chapter in particular, the you know, I was struggling a lot to pray and was was leaning a lot on like the rosary and memorized prayers. Mm-hmm. But the day I returned to the liturgy of the hours, which is the church's mm-hmm. daily mm-hmm. prayer, what happened to be the feast of Saint Mary Magdalene. So about mm-hmm. at the, about that six months postpartum mark, um, almost exactly six months actually. Now that I'm thinking of the dates, um, I I came to back to my Christian prayer book and and there she was kind of waiting for me and the antiphons for that day sort of. I, I reflect on in that chapter because they, they're all beautiful and they all kind of tell this story and they all, I found in her an unexpected companion for kind of motherhood. I, you know, we don't celebrate Mary Magdalene as a mother. If she was one, we don't know. It's not part of the tradition. Um, so I, I didn't expect her to be a powerful companion as I was figuring out motherhood, but she was because she didn't recognize Christ who was right before her. He saw her in her weeping. He called her name, which is something I really needed. Like you're saying, you you know, you just hear mom and mama all the time. And even your your spouse starts calling you yeah, mommy mama. Like, yeah. <laughs> in front of the, you know, because you're talking in third person in front of the kids all the time. And I was like, when is the last time I heard my name? So um, that, yeah, Mary Magdalene became a really powerful companion for me um, in, in that season and, and still is... Um, someone, I, I love that scripture passage and, and sort of imagining standing in the garden with her and, and being seen by Christ and finally recognizing him who was there all along, right? And, mm-hmm. and never really left, so. Beautiful. One other thing I kind of wanted to mention is, I, I remember a while back, um, a friend of mine, um, it was after the birth of her third child, we got talking about postpartum depression because she knew I had struggled with that with my second but we also started talking about how that, that those feelings can be triggered later on. I have uh, later also like way later, like, you know, here I've had four kids. My youngest is five, but there's things like instances that can bring up that feeling again. And it's almost like, you know, almost like PTSD, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of get PTSD from your postpartum depression yeah. and people well, don't talk trauma. about, they're like, oh, well, I haven't had, you know, I had my baby years ago. This can't be postpartum depression, but it can be the residual effects of that, of that time. Yeah, and I so, think it leaves scars. Mm-hmm. And I have some mom friends who are a lot more experienced than I. They, they are, have been out of the baby and toddler stage for a while. And they have very generously in support of me read this book, even though it's kind of billed as something for newer moms. And um, they've said it has been really helpful for them uh, because partly because we don't really 
we're just so busy as moms, we don't get a chance to fully process that experience. So it is kind of like leaving these, this latent woundedness that we don't always get a chance Mm -hmm. to address. So kind of bringing it to the surface, I think can be a really healing thing, even if it hurts to, to remember or to feel those things again. I think that bringing it into the light and bringing it into dialogue with God, um, is, is a really beautiful and hopefully healing thing. So yeah, it's, I, I know it says this is for early motherhood on the cover of the book, but I, I do hope that others feel welcome to read it and hopefully can find some words of hope in there as well. Um, and also the, when we're recording this, it's, um, October, which is, uh, infant miscarriage and infant loss. And, a lot of times postpartum depression is also from it's an imbalance of chemicals and hormones and things like that which is why medication helps and why um you know are finding ways of increasing your dopamine and and serotonin and things like that to help with those emotions but um a lot of people don't know that that imbalance can happen with those losses also so people can be experiencing the the postpartum depression even if on top of, on their, top grief. of their grief of right. loss of their child mm-hmm. so i again like our whole thing is always to talk about like this is supposed you know let's make let's talk about this and let's mm-hmm. get this out there and um so i just wanted to kind of put that gamut out there that postpartum depression isn't just a new mom thing it can be moms who had their kids years ago that are being triggered on things or it could be moms who are lost a child and has their grief on top of that and they're having to deal with everything pregnant mothers pregnant moms like they're talking about pregnancy rage and (laughs) so this imbalance of hormones can yeah it does it does a lot to us women and and i really and your book is very like i was reading this i like even the first intro i told both lauren and annie i was like um, I like saw myself and I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly me. I like, you know, had saw that there was a big problem with my second kid. Look back, I probably had some problems with my first kid, but there were more yeah. people to help with my first kid. Like everybody came. The mother-in-law came, my mom came, my husband took a week off. Her. My second kid, nobody came. Mm, and then yeah. some and then I had friends who when they realized that with my third child, like I, they brought care packages and some came and did my laundry. And it's like, so when we talk about these things, it opens up the people right. around us to be able to let God work through them in our lives. Because mm-hmm. if we're always closed off and try to do it on our own, then right. it, it gets really hard. And I think there's yeah. sometimes that the stigma, not stigmata, um, <laughs> when you, when you have like several children that's like, Oh, it's old hat. You, mm-hmm. you know, you've done this so many times you, you know, it's nothing's new to you anymore. But, I mean, every kid, like, every child has their own needs, and every pregnancy has their own needs. Every mother of a new baby (laughs) has their own needs, and it can be very different each time. And, like, with, I don't know, maybe, hopefully this fifth pregnant, you know, this fifth baby isn't the one where I end up with postpartum depression. But I could because of just, you know, the overwhelm of different things. And so, like Stacy said, I've being able to like really talk about those things instead of it being a, Oh, well I've got this. It's not my first baby anymore. Then like just being able to say, Oh no, I need some help. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You want to wash my dishes? Sure. Like <laughs> I don't need to be like, no, I got it. You know? Yeah. Go right ahead. <laughs> you know? And just letting people help. Cause I think that women, especially like we, we don't 
always want. Like we're, we're very quick to not accept help or to not ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I guess yeah. guys are, <laughs> they don't like to ask for help either or directions. Um, but I don't like to ask for directions either. But, <laughs> except for from my phone. Well, I think um, part of that comes from yeah. this idea that if I am struggling with postpartum mm-hmm. depression, that means that there's no grace, that I'm not experiencing mm-hmm. incredible feelings of love and joy when I have my baby. Mm-hmm. You can go from feeling so filled up and so incredibly in love with your child and supported to feeling unsupported and completely alone in a matter of minutes yes. mm-hmm. in new motherhood. So I think that for, I know that for me, my deal with not getting help with my postpartum anxiety was that I was feeling so much happiness and so Mm. much sweetness and joy that I thought, well, that's not what this is. I'm just tired. Mm. When in reality, I was experiencing both major upheavals, both the joy and the grace that comes from God to new mothers as this gift that he gives us to deal with this tiny little thing, but also the physical imbalance of my body reacting to the physical stressors. So both of those things were happening at the same exact time. And so I would be really down and feeling horribly mad and just irritated at everyone in my life. And then, you know, a day later, I'd feel so much better. And I thought, well, I don't need help. Right, yes. But the lows, and I love what you said about the lows. You said one of the things that, that really kind of, I don't want to read into what you said, but that really sort of ticked you off to something being not quite right is your ability to come out of those rage Mm -hmm. episodes was diminishing. And I think that's what is really important. Everybody has those moments of rage, but when you are with postpartum, you can't get out of it. And it's right. I was stuck in a cycle and it was was daily or even more than daily that I, I, and I couldn't recover or kind of right. move on from you know I felt like if I had a w- one bad moment it ruined my whole day which ruined my whole week which was ruining my whole life is how oh, I felt man, right so funny. um yeah being able to, to <laughs> have those moments and apologize to my kids yes. and forgive myself and move on was you know a skill I needed to build and did that through therapy and practice mm-hmm. and time so um but yeah you're right that that was for me something that where I I was not succeeding at getting out of that cycle without the help. So, And I love that you just mentioned saying apologizing to our children Mm -hmm. because I think that that's an important piece of healing from these wounds of when when we get overwhelmed and we snap. And because sometimes we don't have that control. And Mm -hmm. But explain that to our kids. I've told my kids, I go, it didn't. I go, what happened, even though mommy was having some problems, doesn't make it right. But I want you to know that I'm sorry. And, uh, but, you know, I'm working on it and, you know, just talking to your kids and I'm obviously at their age level. My, my kids are now older. <laughs> my oldest right, is, yes, 12, yes. is 12. So, uh, you know, so I can have a little bit more of that, but apologizing to your children. We do have um, those moments is very important. Mm-hmm. So, and recognizing that I'm, I'm only human, you know, I didn't, I think I sort of had this image of motherhood going in, partly formed by the church, which speaks rightly about the sacredness of mothering and how beautiful it is. Um, And that's true, but it also sort of gave me this idea that I was going to be able to rise above every sacrifice I had to make (laughs) and that I wouldn't have needs anymore, right? But I'm still just a human who does have needs and who does um, stumble when when things aren't going well. And 
um, being able to acknowledge that to myself and to my kids has been really healing. Your book is wonderful. We're just so thrilled that you came and talked to us. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here and it's been a wonderful conversation. So I'm, I'm really grateful for you taking the time. Thank you so, so much. if you could say one thing just to close this out to moms, mm-hmm. what what would you say to them? If you had just a few sentences to say to the audience of mothers who most certainly include mothers who are struggling with postpartum. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing is that you're not alone. I think that, I, you know, sometimes my publisher has called this book a book of advice for new moms. And I don't feel qualified to give advice. I'm, I'm still like a mess most days. Um, but what I can offer is companionship. You're not alone in this. Um There are lots of other moms. There are lots of others of us who are going through this with you. And God's in it with you, too, most importantly of all. So that's the big thing is just knowing that you're not alone in it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Jess, for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.